Hey everyone, welcome to Faithbrook Church. It is so good to be together online, on site, and for those of you watching later, on demand as well. Well, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Mike Delgallo. I serve as a Connections Pastor here on staff. Well, maybe you are a guest. Maybe you have been joining in for, uh, this is your first week, or maybe you've been joining for a couple weeks. Well, either way, we are so glad that you are here joining in with us. And in fact, I want to encourage you to reach into the seat back in front of you and pull out one of these as a connection card. Go ahead and take a few moments, fill this out, and at the end of the service, you can drop it into the offering boxes as you leave. Or you can go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest, and you can submit a connection card there as well. Whether you submit one physically or digitally, two things will happen. One, I would love to personally follow up with you and thank you for taking time to join in with us this weekend. And two, on behalf of Faithbrook, we would love to make a $5 anonymous donation to Feed My Starving Children just on your behalf to celebrate you joining in with us this weekend. This is something we do every weekend because we love it when guests join in. So I look forward to connecting with you and making that donation on your behalf. Well, this week, we have three things for you. Invite, two services, and volunteering. The first is invite someone. Coming up on September 19th and to kick off the fall season, we have Fall Kickoff. We're gonna be launching a brand new series called Win the Day. That day will also have food trucks and inflatables. It'll be a fun time, a day you'll not wanna miss. And in fact, this is a great opportunity to invite someone to join in and see what Faithbrook's all about and have the opportunity to encounter and experience God. So you wanna invite someone. The second thing is to prepare for this uh, fall kickoff, we're gonna be moving to two services starting at 9 and 10 30. So you want to make sure that next week we'll be going back to two services at 9 and 10 30. Now the third thing is volunteering. To make two services happen it takes a lot of volunteers and so we want to, you to consider to join in on a volunteer team. There's a lot of great things for that. You get to meet new people and you also get to use your gifts to serve and impact the kingdom and it also allows you to live out a church's vision to lead people into a new and thriving life in Christ. So if you are considering to want to volunteer, there are a couple ways to get involved. The best way is to use the Church Center app. You can download that from your app store, and once you get it loaded, you can go to the bottom right and click on volunteering to get started. Or if you're here on site, you can reach into the seat back in front of you and grab one of these next step cards. And on the back, you can check the box that says volunteer on a team, and you can drop this off into the offering box as you leave. So again, we have three things for you. One, we want you to invite someone to invite someone to fall kickoff on September 19th. Two, we're going to two services at 9 and 10.30 starting next week, September 12th. And three, would you consider joining a volunteer team to help live out the vision and mission of Faithbrook? Well, in just a few moments, we're going to welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as he wraps up our series, Sermon on the Mount. Well, I have a question for you this morning. And the question is, when you were a child, did your parents give you everything that you wanted? Now, I was one of those childs that was very deprived. Uh, I remember vividly, many times we would go to the store and we're going throughout the checkout counter and those, there was those brilliant, delicious looking candy bars. And I'd always be asking my mom or dad, can I have a candy bar? Can I have a candy ba bar? And they would just say, no, we're not getting one. It's like, man, struck out again. Uh, or, or, now don't, don't laugh at me, 
But when I was younger, we'd be going through the store or the shopping mall, if I remember those, and they have these things called arcades. And you look into the arcades, and they have these pinball machines and these electronic new machines with all the sounds and the lights, and they're only a quarter. And as a 9, 10-year-old, I was like, yes, I mean, Dad, can I have a quarter to play that machine? Usually it was a no. I was like, wow, struck out again, man. Well, around Christmas, I, I got, uh, my luck started getting a little bit better. I remember when I was younger, and um, they asked me, what did I want for Christmas? I said, man, I really like a new bike. Oh, boy, I've seen some kids down the, the street. They got some cool motocross-looking bikes. And so my dad took me to the Swin shop, and he said, Jimmy, that's what they call me. Now, Jimmy, you look around, and you pick out any bike you want. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, and, and I picked out a, a Swin Stingray. And do you want any accessories? Well, I, I want a speedometer, man. I want to see how fast I'm going. Get one of those. And so Christmas morning, it was one of the best Christmas I've ever experienced. I walk in there, and there was my brand-new, sleek, green Swin Stingray, complete with green banana seed. Woo! It was awesome. They came through. Well, welcome this morning to Faithbrook. I'm glad that you're viewing or you're coming in on this Labor Day weekend. I'm Pastor Jim, and uh, we've had a great summer. We survived the great drought, and we're looking forward to engaging fall. I know a lot of kids are getting back to school. Parents are looking forward to getting back in some rhythm. And this summer, we have been uh, discovering and traversing through the, the longest sermon that Jesus was recorded in the Gospels, and that's the Sermon on the Mount. Now, Faith Brook, we called it Summer on the Mount, and we have discovered that, that Jesus had some very important things to say. Now, back in that day, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was gaining popularity. He was claiming he was Messiah. He was backing this up with some healings and some miracles, and people were starting to follow him. They had these Pharisee people that they were, they were the religious guard of the day, and, and they were nervous that he was kind of taking over their population. So Jesus is now having this, this masses and, and popularity and sits him down on the side of a hill and, and gives this really poignant sermon. Basically saying, hey, if you're interested in me, if you want to follow me, this is what true Christianity, the new covenant, the new religion is going to look like. And so he, he touches on over 20 different everyday topics, an assortment of topics from worry to what we tre treasure, um, what, what is our inner thoughts and our prayer life. And, and a lot of them are very confronting. They're, they're everywhere. And so now we're kind of coming to the end we're in the last chapter, chapter 7 of Matthew, uh, Matthew 7. Last week, he talked on the subject of judging, right? That there is a time for healthy judgment. We talked about discerning judgment. There's a place for that. But he was absolutely against condemning judgment. They have this attitude of looking down on people. Uh, that was way out of line. So he's just kind of just shooting all over the place with these different subjects. And right after this this paragraph or this teaching on judgment, he drops in a subject that just, to me, it kind of comes out of the blue. And we're going to try to discover why he brings this up. And this is what he says in verse 7 in this Sermon on the Mount. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Open. Man, that, that seems pretty positive. That, 
That seems optimistic. We can knock and ask, and doors will be open. That's amazing. He goes on. And he says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if you ask for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil... Now, what he means by that is he knows that there's these Pharisees planted in this crowd. And he does not like these hypocrite Pharisees that are trying to trap him. He just flatly calls them evil. So this is kind of targeted to them. He says, if you then, though you are evil, speaking of these Pharisees, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In other words, if the bad guys know how to give good gifts to the children, how much more the good guy, the heavenly Father, wants to give you good gifts? Now, we notice that he introduces this, I would call it a metaphor, of this father-child relationship, the heavenly father. We, we notice even Jesus spoke to his, prayed to his God or his heavenly father, and he sees us as his children. So, so why would he just drop this in out of all the different subjects? Hey, I, I want you to uh, believe, and I want you to ask, and I want you to knock, and, and I'm this gracious God, because he's trying to convey something of these people that are starting to follow him. And this is what I want to submit to you today that he wants to convey, that we can have a crazy confidence because we have a crazy good God. We can have a crazy confidence. Hey, I can ask, knock, seek. Because he's a crazy good God. Now, I call this the yes mentality. I can either have a no mentality and I'm not going to even try and he don't care. Or by faith, I'm going to say, yes, he does want me to ask and knock. And I'm going to ask him. I'm going to believe. I believe nothing's impossible like he said, a yes mentality. Now, sometimes that's hard to grasp. But this truth and this theme is all over the Bible. For instance, one of his Disciples John writes later in a letter, 1 John, he says, This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what he asks for. James, another one of his followers and disciples, writes this, this attitude of confidence in believing. He talks about wisdom. If anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God. And James says, who gives generously. You ask for wisdom, he's going to give generously. We see Apostle Paul. He writes to the church in Philippians. He says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He's going to meet all your needs. He's going to be there. This, this incredible, maybe some people would say crazy confidence in this crazy good God. Well, have you ever knocked or, or sought and, and didn't hear anything, and the door wasn't open, and the prayer wasn't answered, and, and you, what do you do with that? Sometimes that can be very frustrating. It reminds me of, of you going to a vending machine, and you're, you're hungry, and so you're like, okay, it says to put in you know, $2, and I'm, I'm looking for that pack of gum, and it says hit button B, and 2, 4, and you hit that, put your money in, and nothing happens. And what gives? What's the deal? I did exactly what you're right. Next thing you know, you're banging on the machine. You're shaking the machine. Now you feel like you got ripped off because you've done what he said and you've done what the machine said. It's not fair. And have you ever been there, experienced that? I prayed. And God, you didn't come through. 
I don't know why you're not answering my prayer. This can be very frustrating. Truth of the matter is sometimes we shrink back. Sometimes we, we struggle. We're not sure what to do with prayer and expecting God. And, 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 and we stop seeking and knocking and our faith and our confidence wanes. Well, this morning, I think what Jesus wants me to remind you as he just drops in this, this theme about having confidence in him, if the bad guys give good gifts to their children, how much more can you trust me as your heavenly father? Will I not come through for you? He wants me to remind you that, that we can have confidence, and the Bible talks about confidence. One of the premier aspects that people have a hard time grasping is, is that God is really for you. He is for you. He is our heavenly Father, and he wants us to trust him and believe in him. I really like what Paul wrote in Romans 8, 15. It says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. How many of us have a low-grade anxiety or estrangement or a little fear that we have to live with every day of our lives. So we're not sure. Maybe God's mad at us and, and we're condemned and, and, and life's going to get us and there's going to be problems. And, and so we have this spirit of, of worry and fear. And Paul says, no, this is not what God wants in your life. Do you be enslaved to be all tied up in a bondage of enslavement of fear and anxiety? No, Rather, the spirit you receive brought about an adoption to your sonship, or if you will, daughtership. And by that, we cry, Abba, Father. No, the spirit you have is your dad. Your, your daddy is God Almighty, right? What kind of difference should that make in our perspective, in our attitude, in our confidence? Now, he tacks on this, an Abba, Father. Now, that's, that's a, um, an endearing term that the Hebrew people would use or Arab people would use. We, in English today, would use the word daddy. If you saw a child uh, crying out to their, their father saying, Daddy, daddy, you know that that child's in love with that, has great confidence in their daddy. It's an endearing term. And this is what Jesus is trying to communicate, that we can trust him, that he is for us, that he loves us so much. But we struggle with that. But he uses that, that word picture of a father. I'll never forget, I was a, a, a young boy, and uh, I, don't, I don't know what motivated me. I don't know if I was watching The Little Rascals or something, but I, I got in the mood to build a go-kart. We had a, a hill on the side of our house, and I was like, man, if I could make me one of those go-karts and slide down this hill. And so I went down to the basement, and my dad had a bunch of lumber and wood and stuff, and, and I try to start building me some kind of uh, wooden uh, go-kart contraption. I, I found these old lawnmower wheels, and I was like, okay, we got to kind of make an axle. I found a two-by-four, and I slapped together two of those, and I, and I took a 16-penny nail, and I, and I drove it through that little lawnmower nail into the side of that two-by-four, and that, that should do it. I got it up on its wheels, and I, I put it on the side of the, the hill, and I said, let's go. Whoop, boom, wheel fell off. Oh, that's not good. Okay, well, let's try that again. I propped it up, and I'm nailing that, that nail back into that wheel, you know, we tried to get and it keeps falling off. I mean, I must have tried a dozen times and just like chewed up the end of that, that two by four for an axle. My dad comes home. He's like, What are you doing? I'm like, man, I was trying to make a go-kart dad, and he's looking at my whatever that was, and he says, get in the car. Yeah, I don't know. He's getting the car. Next time we know we're at the, the hardware store. 
and he's going around, and he's buying all this equipment, all kinds of hardware and some steel rods, and he's four big, beautiful-looking wheels and a few lumber things. He gets home. He pulls out his table saw. He gets his plank of plywood and starts sawing this all up. And when this thing came out, my dad actually cut out like uh, an outline of a Formula One race car for my plank of my, my go-kart. And he took steel rod for the axles, made it pivoted, oh my goodness, put some rope, right? Made me a seat, even installed some kind of brake. And he says, here you go, Jimmy, have fun. Uh, you talk about, I was the bomb of the neighborhood, man. I mean, I was like, wow, why did he do that? Because my daddy, my dad loved me. And he wanted to bless me. And he worked and he gave and sacrificed to make that, that go-kart. And for that seven-year-old kid, that was big time. My friends, this is how Jesus feels about you. He sees you. He loves you. He wants to help you. And sometimes he wants to give you good gifts and bless you and help you. Now, I realize sometimes when we equate God, the Father, we struggle because for some people, they didn't have a really good experience with their their earthly father. Maybe the, the father was absent. Maybe the father was aloof. Maybe the father was mean and demeaning. I, I don't know. And so a lot of times we struggle having a good relationship with God the Father because we didn't see that in our formative years. But that's the picture of a healthy, loving, functional father that says, man, I care. I love you. I am for you. The Bible also tells us that God is faithful. He's an ultimate promise keeper. See, what God said, he came through and did. He is faithful. In fact, when God said in the Old Testament, said to Noah, you know what, I'm going to destroy this world, but I'm going to rebuild it. God did that. When he said, I'm going to send my son through a virgin, and eventually someone's going to give him the name Emmanuel, that happened. He came through. When Christ says, you might destroy this body, but in three days I will raise it up, he did it. When Christ says, I will send the Holy Spirit, it happened. When he said, and on this rock, I will build my church, it happened. And it's still happening today. When he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he is there. When he says, my grace will be sufficient, millions of people can testify, yes, his grace has been sufficient. It's kind of like what Moses wrote in Lamentations 3, 22 says, because the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We can count on God. He is there. Now, the third thing that the Bible wants us to remember, and this is probably the hardest one, is that God's plan is the best plan. God's plan is the best plan. Now, this is going to stretch us a little bit, okay? But I, I, I asked, I prayed, I sought, I knocked, and it wasn't there. Jesus said to, to go ahead and go for that. How much more am I going to help you? Because how does God help us? How, how does this work out? But a lot of times, God does answer prayer, but he answers in three ways. Okay, you might write this down, try to remember this. Okay, he answers either yes, no, or wait. Yes, no, no or wait. For example, my, my 12-year-old son, he asked for some things, 
And if he asked, he, he said, Dad, if I, would you mind buying me a book, right? What do you think his dad's going to do? Is that going to be a no, wait, or is that going to be a yes? I wish you'd do that more. Uh, but he's, if he asked, yes, right. The other day he says, Dad, my basketball's getting worn out, and I'd like a newer one, make it a little bit stickier and stuff. So w- what is this Papa going to do, right? No, right? It's like, hey, you need that? Did that help you? Okay, I'm going to buy that basketball. Now, a couple months ago he says, Dad, I'd really like a, a PC, a personal computer. I'm like, oh, well, what would you like that for? Oh, gaming. Sitting in there gaming with people all over the internet. Now, what's that going to be? That's going to be a hard no, right? No, we're not getting that at 12, okay? Now, watch this. It's not always a no because his dad and mom, who hopefully we have some knowledge and some wisdom, are like, you know, one day he's going to need one. So it's probably going to be a wait, right? Because in our timing, hopefully in our God's wisdom gives us, he's going to need one of those. And guess what? There's a good chance that we're going to purchase him a PC, right? So that's how God operates. But a lot of times we're like teenagers, right? Teenagers, have you ever noticed, man, that they are so smart. I can't believe how smart they are because they know everything. And if you ever get in a discussion or debate and argument with your teenagers, oh man, no, no, they know. You know, they, they've been living for a long time, right? And so when they look at their parents, they're like, oh, you don't know. This is what I know, and this is how you should do it. And you're like, who are we? Are we who are we, right? Oh, I forgot that because you're a teenager. You're, your way's better than your parents' ways, right? Okay? That's how they think. And you know what? Sometimes that's the way we think with God. We're like, now, God, um, this is how my life should go. I need you to answer this way. This is what I think is best for my life. In fact, I have my life all planned out, and you need to just come around. And so when I need something, you're going to be like that vending machine, and I'm just going to put the right prayers and act, and boom, it's going to be there because my plans are better than your plans. But the Bible says, no, it's the other way around, that if we just trust him, realize that his plans are better than our plans. I appreciate what Woody Allen said. If you want to see God laugh, tell him your plans, okay? Because God's ultimate plan is going to outweigh your plan and come through. So what do we do with that? How do, how do we deal with when sometimes it's, it's a no or, or a wait and we're not sure? We can trust that God's plans are better than our plans. In fact, Romans 8 again shares about this. Paul writes, and we know that in all things God works for the good, God works for the good in all things for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Can we trust that? And part of his working things out means sometimes we have to be patient. And for suburban people, waiting is very hard. We, we want instant answers and get through this. And sometimes God says, man, you just got to trust me. You just got to be patient and see how I'm ultimately going to work this out. I was reminded how God's plans are better than our plans this last year. We had a family in our church that was growing, and they needed a larger house. Their kids were getting bigger, more bedrooms and stuff. And so they were like, okay, we're going for it. And they knew that the housing environment was pretty crazy. And so this winter, spring, they put their house on the market. And sure enough, someone snarfed it up. And now they needed to move into another house. And so they started looking. The realtors started looking, and, and man, it was very difficult. They're like, hey, um, we, we only got a couple of uh, months to, to be in our house before we have to have another one. And they found it so, so hard that eventually they had to move to a temporary housing and just hang on. And there were some discouraging days 
They're like, man, nothing's open. Every time we went to find a house, someone outbids us. It's too high. And we don't know exactly when we'll ever find our house. And month after month, trusting God, praying, trying to be content. Finally, a couple of weeks ago, I got this text from the, from the dad. He says, would you, would you pray? We are putting an offering on this house, and I don't think we'll get it. We usually don't get it, but we're going to try. It's right in our area. So a couple of days later, he texts back and he says, a miracle happened. We got the house. We got the house. He sends me this picture of this house, and it's just like amazing house. He's like, what's incredible about it is it's, it's exactly what we needed. It's in the exact neighborhood that we were looking for, and the price did not go up. In fact, our realtor says, you won't believe this, but nobody else bid on this, and they took your offer it was a complete miracle right before school's happening. And I'm snickering. It's like, that's how God works. If we're just willing to trust his plan, to maybe be patient, he's going to work all things out like a gracious heavenly father. So we can have crazy confidence because we have a crazy good God. If we can believe that he is for us, that he is a good God, that we can believe that he is, we can, he, we can count on him, that he is faithful, that his plans are better than our plans. Now, I know that we can easily struggle with this. Because, see, we have this tension. We, we know maybe what the Bible says and how good God is and just ask and receive. But over here, we have these experiences. And sometimes God doesn't come through like we think. Sometimes he doesn't answer that prayer of healing or doors being open. And so we have these experiences, and we have the Bible truth, and there's this tension. And what do we do with that? Well, God calls us to have some faith. Now, I'm going to call it crazy faith, because a lot of times our experience and logic and our friends and the professors, they say, man, you can't believe in that faith. Now, faith is believing in something that we're hoping for. Faith isn't believing in something we can't see or feel, but we're, we're going to be certain that it's going to happen. That, some people over here would say, that's just crazy. Uh, you're just going to just believe that when your experience and logic says, ah, that, that probably doesn't work. That's what God's calling us to do. In fact, the Bible tells us we cannot please God unless we have faith. And I think that's what Jesus was trying to say. He says, man, I want you to ask. I want you to believe. I'm, I'm here for you because I want you to grow your faith. I want you to trust me and have this relationship. But that sounds pretty crazy. Yes. So what I'm going to give you is three actions to grow your faith. Three actions to grow your faith. And I know sometimes you're like, Jim, that's just so weird. That's so crazy, okay? The, the first one is just to step in and choose to have crazy faith, okay? I'm going to spiritually... Believe what the Bible says that he is for me. I might not always feel it. I, I can't explain why it doesn't always feel or look like that, but I'm going to by faith believe that he's for me. The Bible says that, that uh, I'm, I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God. Uh, I'm, I'm adopted by him. He, he went to the cross for me. I'm going to believe that. The Bible says he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for me. Me? Yes. The Bible says he's not going to leave me nor forsake me. I'm going to believe that. But I'm going to need some faith to believe in that, that he can hold me and help me. I can cast all my cares upon him because he cares for me. So how is your faith? 
Where, where would it rank? Would you, do you have great confidence? Do you, do you believe that he loves you and died for you and has a plan for your life and in his perfect way it's going to work out even though there's been some setbacks and damages and, and problems? You know, I, I, I look back on my life and how God wanted to develop my faith. Um, so when I was in college, I wasn't called into ministry. I didn't even think about going into ministry, but, but I decided to follow Christ. And I was doing my best to live as a Christian young man, going to my state university. And uh, I, I was, uh, had a little part-time job and doing my studies. I had a little uh, Civic Honda. It, it had some problems, but it got me around and it was fine. Well, I grew up in Kansas City, Kansas City, Missouri, and in Missouri, there's a state law that you have to have your vehicle inspected every year. You got to take it to the mechanic and get a little sticker. They want to make sure your brakes are good and your wheels don't fall off and all this kind of stuff, right? So, so you got to go to the mechanic and please, there's nothing major wrong with it. Well, um, I took my little Civic down there and, and the mechanic comes out and says, well, Mr. Comfort, I'm sorry to tell you, but you got some big problems. Uh, we, to fix all this and get it safe and get your stickers and cost you 300 bucks. I was like, hello? Uh, they got 300 bucks. You got to break issues and this and that. And I was like, no way. I mean, I didn't have 30 bucks, right? How am I going to afford 300 bucks? And I needed my car. <laughs> Had to get it going. I was like, so I started praying. Oh, God, I need your, I need your deliverance. I need a miracle. And, and I was so stupid or crazy or weird. I was like, okay, you need to heal my Honda Civic, all right? Because I don't have 300 bucks. <clears throat> I'm scared now. And so I took it to another mechanic, right? Maybe, maybe they got something else. And I'm sitting in the shop, you know, and they come back out. And, well, we checked out your, your car. And it's like, yeah. And it's like, you know, it looks pretty good. Uh, we can repair everything for like $15. I oh, What? Yeah, $15. You got a few things, and no, it's good. Here's your sticker. You just, you fit. $15? I was like, hallelujah. I was like, wow. I'm walking out of there. I was like, I received a miracle. I just experienced a mechanical miracle. Thank you, Jesus. Got my sticker, and we went on our way. My faith grew. I was like, you're real, right? You're, you're actually real. How about that? And throughout the years, God started bringing some miracles. I remember when Terry and I got in our U-Haul, we went down to the Gulf of, of, of Texas, and we were all on our own. Our, we were first youth pastorate, and, and the, the, some things happened, and we had to move to Colorado, and we didn't have very much money, and, and it was like, oh, God, we need to get to Colorado, finish my education, and, and all of a sudden, some money out of the thin air came down, uh, mucho money, like, boom, that was the exact amount of money that we needed to Colorado, pay the gas bill, the U-Haul, the whole thing. It was just, boom, miracle. My faith is like, yes. Eventually, God moves us. It's a long story. We get to uh, Ohio, and, and Terry and I are living on <clears throat> beans, beans and rice, man. I mean, we lived in a trailer, didn't pay very much. The church was half built, and they were in the deep weeds, and there was problems. I'm crying out, God, we need some miracles. Please happen. And sure enough, man, Boom, boom. Are you kidding me? Doors got open. Resources came and miracles happened. I'm like, he's alive. He's alive. I mean, my faith grew. I was like, I believe. I got confident. I believe. But I can tell you, my friends, there were times later when I'd be crying out and I'd be praying, God, here we go. You're the Heavenly Father. Knock. I'm knocking. I'm seeking. Right? And it was silence. There was nothing coming back. Seemed like God forgot me. Hello, right? What's up with that? And I got very discouraged. 
There was a lot of doubts. There was a lot of dark days of the soul. God, I thought, and I'm searching the Bibles and his promises, and you know what? I ran into some areas in there where some other people didn't get their prayers answered. There were some dark times of their soul. But God was faithful. God was there. And eventually, as I had my ears open, God would speak to me and say, Jim, do you only love me and follow me only when I bring miracles and bring deliverance in your life? What are you trying to say, God? Jim, would you still love me and be faithful to me even though if you have to suffer and it doesn't always come through and be delivered, you get what you want? And I had a I'd have a pivotal time in my life. Would I still be faithful for God? I, I remember this song that I grew up with, and there was this line in this song that said this, I praise you, not for what you have done, but because of who you are. I praise you, not because of what you have done, because of who you are. And most of my life, I praise God because of what he done. Look at all these miracles. I, I knocked and he answered. But now, would I love him for who he was? See, if you're a parent, <clears throat> do you want your child to just love you? for the things that you give them. And if you stop giving them or don't give them that candy bar or that quarter for that game, you want your child to say, well, I don't love you anymore. No, you want your child to love you, not for the gifts. That's just a side thing, but for who you are because you love them. And your ways are the best ways as a parent because you love them. That's the way God wants us for... Does that mean that God doesn't care about the little things? No, he does care about your little things. Well, can I pray that, you know, my, my daughter, my son might, you know, have good test scores or go to college? You know, I'd, I'd like to maybe pray to have a, a promotion. Is that, is that wrong? You know, if the scriptures are true that he's a heavenly father, he knows what you need. And those are not things that are, that are wrong. But he wants you to grow. And he wants you to develop your faith that it's not just all about you and your pet projects. And no, I don't think God wants you to pray that you win the lottery. All right. Um, He wants you to believe. And so part of the things that you can have in action, the second thing, action, is have claim crazy truth. Claim crazy truth. What I mean by that is that sometimes you've got to just cling on not your experience, not what you feel, but what the Bible says. So I want to just encourage you to find and own some scriptures that you're like, this is what I'm going to believe in. And, and some people might say you're, you're crazy for, for quoting that, believing that, and trusting that. For, so here, there's a bunch of them out there. Uh, hopefully you can find the Bible, the Bible app. Here's some examples of some that, that my repertoire, right? So, uh, man, if God is for us, who can be against us? Uh, Philippians, and my God will meet all your needs. Go on. Seek first the kingdom of God. My God is able to make all grace abound to you. It just goes on and on and on. So when the wave of doubt, when the wave of discouragement, the wave, I'm not sure who I am, I'm going to go to the the scriptures and say, I'm going to have crazy faith I'm going to trust these scriptures. Not my feelings, not my experience. I'm going with that. And so when there's problems, I'm going to find that anchor scripture for for, for I got a lot of them, but probably my number one is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. God, I don't know what's going on here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, Jim. Acknowledge me in all your ways. Do not lean on your own understanding. Yeah, because, man, my thought life is like, woo, I don't know. Don't lean on that, Jim. And I will make all your paths straight. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go to sleep at night with that. I'm going to wake up in the morning with that. I'm going to put a smile on my face. I don't know. God just says, trust me. Trust me. That's my scripture. And I would encourage you to own one, find one, write it down. 
Stick it in your purse. Stick it on your mirror. Quote that as often as possible. Go to lean on those scriptures. And third one, this is probably the hardest one, is that choose crazy alignment. Choose crazy alignment. See, the more we align, the more we find. The more we align with his will, the more we find. For example, in John 15, <clears throat> Jesus is trying to explain to this to disciples. John 14, he tells them that I'm going to be leaving you guys, and they get really nervous. Oh, no, what's going to happen? He says, okay, now here's the deal, all right? Have some confidence in me. And he says this in John 15. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That sounds pretty good, right? This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, he has an agenda that, guys, I'm going to give you power and confidence, and there's some things that are going to open up and come through for you. But I really want you to be about not your glory, but by showing Christ-like fruit. He goes on. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. Now, they've been traversing for three years, okay? And now he's going to go. Okay, guys, instead of this master, you're the servants. And a lot of times people are like, oh, I'm not sure. God's going to get me and hammer me. And we're down here, robots, whatever you want me. God wants us to grow that we know his heart and he knows our heart. See, see, God, friends love each other, and they trust each other. This is what Jesus taught. I call you friends because I trust you. You know my heart. And if our hearts are in sync, guess what? We're on the same page. There are things that are going to happen because I can trust you with the agenda. I can trust you with the mission. You did not choose me, but I chose you and pointed you so that you might, here it is again, bear fruit, fruit that will last, be authentic Christian people. Shine the light. Be true. I'm going to help you with so that whatever you ask in my name, there it is, my Father's will, I will give it to you, okay? He's for us. He wants to help us. So the point of it is we have to align our wills. Problem is sometimes our will doesn't align with his will, and we wonder. James wrote about this in James 4. He says when we ask, he says, you do not receive. You ever been there? Because we, here it is, ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. What is your motives? What is my motives? So every time I'm knocking, I'm seeking, I'm asking myself, now, Jim, what's the true motive here? You just want a bigger house. You just want more money, you want more fame. What, what, what's the biggest? No, no, it's not about me. It's about you, God, aligning my will with your will. And the more we align, the more we find. Yeah, but what about my family? What about my career? What, what about my sick relatives and stuff? Is, is that so wrong asking God? No. But here's, here's part of this. When we align our will is open-handedness. God, I'm applying for this job I really like, but I'm not sure if it's your will. God's like, well, are you open-handed? Are you willing to let my will prevail? Yes, God, your will prevail. Didn't, didn't he tell us to pray that way? He said that we pray that, that his kingdom come would, would come, his will be done, on earth like it is in heaven. It's about his will, not our will. We, we ask that way. Have you ever seen anybody live that out? Uh, this last Olympic trial, I was, just, I was introduced to this incredible athlete, Sidney McLaughlin. 
Um, she was a two-time Olympic track star champion, even broke the world record in hurdles. And, and uh, just the way she carried herself and kind of gave God glory, I was like, oh, I, I think she's a believer. I think she's a follower. And so I did a little snooping on her, and sure enough, she is a believer. In fact, she's an inc incredible, strong believer in Christ. Let me just quote what she said about her response, and that you'll notice how she aligns her will with God's will. She says, let me start by, off by saying what an honor it is to be able to represent my, not only my country, yay, USA, right, but also the kingdom of God. What I have in Christ is far greater than what I have or don't have in life. I pray my journey may be a clear depiction of submission and obedience to God. I'm like, how old are you? <laughs> right? Are you, are you kidding me? Even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't seem possible, he will make a way out of no way. She has crazy confidence. Not for my own gratification, she says, but for his glory. And then she said this. Personally, there are unanswered prayers that frustrate me. She's in there too. We've all been there. Probably still will be in there. I don't have a formula, she says. My job is to have confidence by faith. For some, I think it's a little crazy. But God is not asking me to ask why not, but to trust him no matter what? My friends, she impressed me. She inspired me that she'd have that kind of disposition and that attitude. She discovered that God's plans are the best plans, and so she's going to relax, and she's just going to go open-handed to align her with God's will. Now, my friends, I know this might sound crazy, to just choose faith and believe what the Word of God says rather than your experience. I know it's a little crazy when you're quoting scriptures like, yep, I'm, going, I'm taking on the week. I'm going to take on the day with, with the promises of God. I know that when we're willing to surrender our will to God's will, that, that's a little crazy. And it takes a lot of practice. It just doesn't happen overnight. It hasn't happened overnight for me. I constantly have to pursue to have confidence in, in Christ. But Christ wants us to have crazy confidence because he's a crazy good God. So where's your confidence level? In just a little bit, our, our worship team is going to lead us in a song that I really think that identifies what God was trying to say, Jesus was trying to say when he uh, was to ask and seek about the Heavenly Father. Would you say that you have great confidence? Maybe you'd say, well, well Jim, my confidence is not as strong as it used to be. Maybe you've been where I've been where we're like, man, I haven't heard from God. God seems to be silent. Sometimes I've even stopped asking because it seems like every time I ask, I get a no. Sometimes I'm not even sure if God even knows who I am or loves me. And maybe he opens doors and miracles for other people for not for me. I've had some setbacks. Could it be, could it be that like a gracious, good father, he knows that you're down. He knows that your confidence has waned. And he, and he drops that passage in the Sermon on the Mount, knowing 2,000 years later, some guy would have to preach to us, to, to, to minister to you, to remind you that God is faithful, that God is for you, that his best plans are, the, are, are better than your plans. And we can have confidence in him. So I'm going to, 
I'm going to ask them, the team to sing this song and then we're going to kind of close in, in prayer. I'd invite you all to stand and would you just give the Heavenly Father a moment of your time this morning by closing your eyes. When we close our eyes, a lot of times we, we can hear Him, sense Him a lot better. Just have a, a couple of questions for you. would you by faith believe that he is for you? That he cares about you? That he sees what you're going through? What's on your heart? Would you try to have faith to believe that he delights in you? He loves you? He's a fan of yours? God to give you the faith to raise your faith to believe that you can trust him trust him with your family trust him with your future trust him with your finances trust him with your heartbreaks and your fears and your desires would you ask him to just raise that faith go as far as say, God, I, I want the faith to align my plans with your plans. Teach me what your ways are. Teach me what your desires are. Give me the faith, God, to have patience. When the answer is wait, or the answer is no, to help me just to trust that. This morning, God is asking you to trust him with the timing and the outcome that his ways are perfect. That he will see you through no matter what. Would, would you pray for that? God, raise my faith. Ask him for greater. What, what situation is in your life that you need the big heavenly father to come through? If he doesn't come through, then you're sunk. What is that miracle? It's that miracle feeling more about or maybe something God could get the glory. Father, I'm so grateful that when we don't feel like we can count on you or don't understand our experiences, we can always go to the Bible, the Word of God, and it reminds us. And there's a lot of stories that remind us, God, that you do come through, that you're the crazy good God, the crazy good Father that we can trust in. Father, I pray for all of us, no matter where we're at, myself, that we'd have this confidence that you spoke of in Matthew 7, that we could seek, we could knock, we could ask, God, you're going to come through. So help us to live authentically for you and live out these practices that you taught. We thank you. We ask these things in your great name. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for viewing us today. We're going to continue on next Sunday at 9 o'clock and 10.30. God bless. You're dismissed.